This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Hello there. Welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast, weekend edition or weekends with Walshy. My name is Peter Gowers. I'd like to introduce you now to my co-host, live in the studio, Mr. Leon Logan-Nathan. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate, and it is live. Uh, when was the last time we did this? It feels like months. It was a while ago. It was the last one before Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Quite some time. A fair bit's happened in that time. (laughs) Let's uh, introduce the man who the episode is named after each week, Mr. Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Walshy, good evening. Hey, guys. Good to see you both again, both of you. Yes, in the flesh. (laughs) Boys, it's been, uh, as you say, it's been a few months since we've been together in the the flesh. Chris, we talked about a few things while Leon was away. One of them was a uh, a lot about Zach Rolf and uh, his television show was played on Sunday night. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, uh, man, it was gripping. It really was <laughs> gripping. Like I mean, it was Channel Sevenized, so it was you know it yeah. was what it was in terms of given its commercial um, persuasion. Yeah. But Gia was telling. Well, it was a different kind of angle on the fact that they had kind of behind the scenes of what Zach was going through in his family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know about some of that B-roll stuff that they had with Indigenous people dancing out at East Point. I agree. I don't know what that was all about. I agree. But the other thing that... They did, uh, yeah. I took that to mean that they were saying that happened on the day of this and that and the yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are we to connect those dots or am I reading too much into it? Yeah, it was very theatrical. But there was an issue, right? So we watched that that night. I think we had written like a promo kind of story about that it was coming up. I thought that there was going to be more in terms of I did too. what happened. So that story just ended at the verdict. It which did. is like that's when all the action started. Yeah, correct. Like, that's when we got involved. That's correct. when the anti-independent got involved. From a reporting point of view, that's when so much happened. Yeah, when all this information started coming out that had been suppressed yeah. before because of the court yeah. and, the, and the legal process and to respect that trial, that murder trial that was going on. Yep. So, you know, and it was, it was strange too that that reporter from the Channel 7 broadcast was here for that, for that very infamous chalker press conference yes where the rambling mm. yes. nonsensical whimsical yeah uh, where he didn't even reference you know zach rolf kumanjai walker uendamu a yeah. murder trial and yeah. he just rambled on and then you know that guy at the end of it was yelling out to him like why aren't you taking questions from the media yeah police commissioner and chalker turned and walked in and then he yells out how was the golf tournament yeah. This week. And yeah. then, like, none of that was in the Channel 7 report. Yeah. So I started sending messages around to people saying, what the hell is going on? Like, was this the full thing? And the other thing to note, too, is I guess the Spotlight program on Channel 7 typically only does one yes, one thing in difference to um, comparison to, like, 60 Minutes. Correct. a whole bunch. Yeah. But for some reason on Sunday night, it was in the last 15 minutes were about some other thing that Australians know about that I'm yeah. not really all that up on but and and funny thing is both stories i ended up feeling like there's so much more that i want to know about both yeah 
but yeah so that was weird so then the question was and then you know that guy denim hitchcock the the journalist had tweeted something about how people are trying to stop this story from airing but this is going to be the full yeah i don't think it was the full thing i wonder and now there are questions about now we went to channel seven and asked them and they've come back saying oh no no we had all kinds of interesting stuff in there and they did i mean they had some stuff in there i mean they had phillips but they didn't have anything that we haven't reported and that the australian hadn't reported so um yeah so they're saying no look it's that's that was the show nothing happened now if now there's a couple of things here and then one of the other rumors going around is that because of this and i think we're going to talk about it later but because of the uh, upcoming coronial inquest yeah. maybe there was some sort of suppression order although like that doesn't really make sense because it's a coronial there's no jury you're not prejudicing anyone elizabeth armitage isn't going to read something or watch something on tv and change your it mind. influence her yeah, yeah. Her, her weighing of the evidence and quite extensive uh, yeah. you know, questions and issues that they're raising in there. So I don't think it was that. But the other thing that was raised was, is it possible that there was some sort of ICAC order made about this? Because remember, the yeah. ICAC's investigating those four days between the incident, the shooting death, and uh, and the charging of Zach Rolf. So yeah. was there something in there that the ICAC... But again, I don't know. I mean, we've reported on a whole lot of stuff yeah. that you know nobody ever stopped us from doing that um so i don't know right now but yeah, yeah i just i thought that there'd be more to that whole thing but it was, seems there was more questions and answers the the interesting things i thought of i mean i know we probably knew a lot of this information but it was so interesting to hear um from zach rolf on what he dealt with at that moment yeah. in time yeah. and to see the body armor footage yeah I thought that was really compelling. And I also thought it was interesting that, you know, Denham Hitchcock openly said that the Northern Territory Police, you know, said they are under investigation. Intimidated and, and harassed. Yeah. And, but that's what they do. Like, that was that's every day for us. I thought that was you so know? interesting. <laughs> yeah. When, and that, and that they do the exact same thing, too. They do that. And they say, oh, yeah, we're investigating. And then they don't talk to you. Yeah. And then somehow they close the investigation and say, oh, yeah. we closed that. And then, like, a couple months later, they'll start it up again. Yeah. This well, is what they've done to us for the past two years. When they pitched up in front of one of the police officers and started to ask a few questions, yeah. it was it was very much, I don't want to talk about <laughs> that it. That guy just, <laughs> he just looked like he was filling a role, right? In like some movie about a cop who maybe isn't all on the level here. Like, and he's covered in sweat and the journalist is... Turn, I, turned his power. I wasn't sure him. who was uh, being yeah. investigated here. At that <laughs> yeah, point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was great. I, I, I really enjoyed that part. Uh, um, but I did, and all that stuff. That'll, that you know, look. There's so much more stuff. That's there's a lot to more come to come out. out. Yeah. That, that's that's how it felt. And mm. like you said, whether Channel Seven covered everything they wanted to cover or whether they didn't, I guess we'll find out over time. But it seemed there was more questions than answers. Mm. Um, It did give, I would have thought, people from other parts of Australia and probably even people from Darwin who've not travelled out to the communities did give you some insight as to, you know, what the communities look like and Mm. the state of the housing and, you know, the state of, uh, uh, I guess, the the surroundings and the streets and the gardens and all that sort of stuff, which was eye-opening. Um. The other thing I wanted to talk about, gents, is, of course, uh, we've had a change of federal government since the last time we spoke, Chris, and yeah. certainly since the last time uh, you were on the podcast, Leon. What an interesting result. Yeah. What an interesting result. Uh, I'll give you my perspective first, and you can say whatever you want. It, it 
to me, it seems it wasn't so much about the voting public being completely enthralled with the now government, the Labor Party, mm. but it was more about the fact that they were completely disheartened with the Liberal government and the money that was put behind this group of people that are now known as the Teals, that was fascinating. And take Solomon, for example, looking at the raw numbers on Saturday <laughs> night, Luke Gosling's numbers didn't really go up. They went up by a poor 15th. In the uh, two-party, it, it swung. Correct. But, but the, um, I think the primary was just like it was like a swing against him by 0.01% or something. Correct. So it was basically but the even. CLP was just, yeah, just decimated. Yeah, yeah. And what – I'm sure you know this, Chris, but I, I had to laugh out loud uh, when – looking at some research about this the other day. Now, I don't know if it's per candidate or all up, but do you want to know how much was spent on the Teals getting their seats? Uh, millions, right? 12 million. 12. <laughs> <laughs> I literally couldn't believe it. Now, I don't know if that's per candidate, Yeah. but when you consider that um, Palmer spent $100 million yeah. to not get uh, one uh, seat, 12 yeah. million sounds about right per <laughs> candidate. Yeah. But I, I just wanted to lay down a marker in regards to the tears because we've seen a minority government before, mm. um, but these tears are coming in with, with a fair bit of momentum. They'd better do something mm. because in three years' time, no one's going to hang around for a second version of these wonderful, colourful I, – I, I call them ladies because I think they're all females pretty much, mm. but it's a – it's a really interesting time for federal politics. Yeah, well, it was. And, you know, that's what we talked about. Remember, we talked about that last week, and I was saying that we had kind of taken out, we'd sent this questionnaire to all the candidates about issues, and we, we took out all of them, and we put them all together, we put them in a bag, and we shook them up, and we threw them on the screen. And when you read it right away, and that was, like, such an interesting thing to do that I'm going to do that again, because it was like they didn't answer it. It was because it was going to be like a questionnaire. They answered it differently than if we had just said, okay, it's just this one issue. And what you found when you were reading that was that the two major parties were completely bereft of any new or innovative <laughs> ideas, right? And that's what we were talking about last week, but it yeah. turns out everybody caught on to that. And that's the whole thing here is that the, 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 the swing against the major parties really overall was something to to see there yes. that, that I think maybe it's even the younger people coming in and saying that we need more. And then, you know, if you're going to make and, and, and journalists get criticized for that in campaigns, that becomes the cult of personality stuff that, yep. but if you've got two duds, two absolute duds on a stage debating old ideas, mm. people lose interest. There's yep. no personality. And then it doesn't even become, because neither one of them had a personality. So, yep. I mean, even even Scomo's probably more, you know, polished than, yes. than Albanese was. But both of them had nothing new to add no. to the debate of where this country goes. It was all old ideas just thrown back up, repackaged. And so I think people caught on to that. And I think that, that hopefully the next one, we're going to get back to that talking about actual issues. Because like I told you, some of those minor parties that we had, including the Greens, actually had some innovative ideas. That yeah. They're like, wow, this actually makes sense. How could this work? Let's see this. I want to yeah. see how this works. And I've never thought that before. <laughs> we're starting to get these ideas and policies, I think, going to be a lot more interesting. I hope so. Mm -hmm. Than watching two old white men debate with no fresh ideas. And that's what we've got to get to. And I saw, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was on the ABC. Uh, they were talking in relation to one of the liberal candidates. 
And in an interview, that candidate had said, look, you know, climate change, it, it is an issue, but we, we've done polling into this and consistently it was coming up as like the seventh or eighth most important thing that the voters are going to the poll with. Yeah, it's bad polling. And this woman said, well, if that's the case, then they've got bad polling. They're getting <laughs> the wrong numbers yeah. because it's absolutely not seventh or eighth well, on most people's agenda. It was in the top three or four here in the Territory, just yep. from what we could identify with our readers. And that wasn't scientific, but, I mean, yep. you can just tell what people want to talk about. That's what they want yeah. to talk about. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting here. Um, yeah, and I see the CLPs doing some soul-searching again. <laughs> they seem Back to into do it. every... Uh, Every time there's an election. I mean, they've lost a lot now. <laughs> you know, the by-election was terrible last year, last yeah. September. How do you lose a by-election against such an unpopular government? But they mm. found a way to do it. They got absolutely slaughtered by Gosling. Like, I think the ABC is heralding him as, like, you know, the, he's turned this into a safe labor seat now. Solomon used to be a swing seat. But mm. all hail the mighty Luke Gosling. I mean, that guy... You know, he's, it's not because of his personality or the strength of him or anything that he really even represents. It was just that, my God, they're moving away from the CLP and they got to be worried about yeah. that. But, I, you know, they, they should have known about this for years. I mean, they picked, look, I think Tina McFarlane is a lovely woman. I've spoken to her. I've had, you know, private conversations with her. I think she's a lovely person. I don't think she was a great candidate for the CLP. I think anybody could have, you know, come in and taken Gosling on and... and did a better show it had a better showing than what but you know that's just the clp i mean they don't seem organized enough and especially then you look down at lingiari now the only way they're going to win that is if they're organized and they can get out to those bush seats yeah. and do that and then you know the kind of tip off there was uh and this will be investigated by the icac because it's been sent there but we did a story on Friday, they took all day Thursday to get back to us, but we had a photo of Marion Scrimjaw at a remote polling station with an anti-government vehicle, you know, getting dropped off. Uh -huh. And she had the core flutes and boxes that had to vote cards and red T-shirts to give out to people. I mean, she knows, Labor knows how to get organized out there. Yeah. Let's not forget the investigation into our former chief minister as well. So they know how to organize on the ground, and that's how they destroyed the CLP in the by-election, too, in Daly last year. So, so they're just better organized, and the CLP used to be, but they're not anymore, and you're not going to win anything. I mean, they can't even get organized in the northern suburbs to win yeah. anything there. So how are you going to win the bush when you're not prepared? It seems a bit embarrassing now, doesn't it? The, the once mighty CLP who used to joke about the fact that, you know, essentially that it was the only party in the territory yeah. well, has fallen from grace. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what they do, but they've got to shake things up here. And this is all really pointing very poorly at Leah. Vinacero is the leader, too. I mean, there's going to start yep. being people sniping for her because... Well, she's struggling to get into police stations these days. Yeah, so. well, right. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, that party's in some serious trouble. And you would think with a, a government that has been this bad that they would have been You'd think. doing a lot better. But You would think. They're not capitalizing. Mm. Well, I was pleased uh, to miss the entire election. Uh, <laughs> I can honestly say I didn't even watch a single debate. Um, and it's not because I'm disinterested in politics. I'm extremely interested in it. Yeah. But there's I'm just, there. there's, there's nothing there. There's Do you know what I missed, Leon? There. What? I missed our Sunday chat after an election comparing the ABC's view of it with Sky News' view of it or whichever version mm. you watched. Well, I, I'm happy to say this on air, uh, on this podcast, but for the first time in my entire adult life, I did not vote. 
Right. And I didn't vote uh, because, um, well, like, I, I didn't purposely not vote. You weren't here. I wasn't here. I applied for a postal vote, and, yep. it, and it didn't come. Uh, okay. And, and I thought to myself, you know what? That's probably not a bad thing. It's pretty much how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that cool. Yeah, well, that's it. So, we've got to get get better ideas going. Here. Well, you know, Chris, ideas. I mean, you've been always talking about the independence and, you know, and, and not belonging to a party. Well, that seems to be manifesting itself federally at least. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how the independents actually get themselves organized, though. I, I don't know that they can mm. fundamentally be organized. Yeah. As a, as a unit, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they would because I think ideolo- ideologically that they, they can't. Yep. Uh, and I'm just reminded of what happened back when uh, we had those two independents with a hell of a yes. lot of power, Oakshot and um, the other guy from New Tony, England. Tony Oakshot. Yeah, and, uh, uh, the, he was Tony's on. on yeah, it? Tony. I want to say Tony Burns, but I don't think no, it was no, Tony no, Burns. No, no, um, Tony. Uh, I, I picture his face because he was on TV all, yeah, all night. So yeah. Night. Oh, sorry, it was Rob Oakshot. Rob Oakshot yeah. and Tony, um, I can't think of his last name. Yeah. But anyway, those guys wielded, a, um, you know, probably more power than they should have. Correct. And what does an independent do with their power? They basically shore up their own electorate. Make That's deals. why you have all these, you know, dysfunctional yeah. decisions being made about departments being moved, you know, into New England out of Canberra and stupid things yeah, like yeah. that. Well, you right. might you might change that if you had more independence. Like if the parties were gone completely and, and, and everyone had to come up and get on the same side, the majority, for something that's good. Yeah. Instead yeah, of just possibly. using that to, yep. to, to, to tow a party line or to fill in a party line. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's always what we got to look problem. at here for sure. We've got to look at that here. Correct. Yeah. It's always been the problem with the minority government concept at a federal level is one of the two major parties will be the government and then they've got to rely on independence to, mm. you know, guarantee supply and all sorts of other things. But when it's an issue that's that's sort of slightly on the sideline, anything can happen. Mm. I mean, at one stage, wasn't there no poker machines in Tasmania as a result of mm, one something like that? Yeah, independent. That just Andrew Wilkie certainly has had a had an outsized influence yeah, in terms yeah. of those things. Uh, look, I mean, and I was—I might have misspoken earlier. It wasn't—it wasn't, it wasn't um, uh, the New England guy that did this, although he may have done other things. It was Barnaby Joyce that managed to get a, a department moved into into uh-huh. his electorate or somewhere up 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 northern New South Wales from Canberra. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he? Yeah, just. You know, he moved his girlfriend up there too, didn't he? Yeah, that's probably how <laughs> that all happened. Yeah. So, you know, I just um, uh, I am I am concerned, and you know, we've got a lot to talk about here, Chris. And why don't we just get into it uh, with uh, Natasha Files now, the new Chief Minister, having appointed uh, or yeah, well, basically uh, yeah, appointed her cabinet. Um, we've got um, the list there. What what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, it was, I think the big takeaway for, for me here and for a lot of people is Nicole Madison's no longer police minister. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think they were reporting something that it was uh, uh, her decision 
or something, which I don't think is actually true. Hmm. I think uh, that <laughs> it was could have for been. her. Well, she might have had a gut. Yeah, try to get out after like she did in Treasury too. That's <laughs> the other thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it was always her decision to Has leave. Treasury. Anybody got any ideas? It's like she she she's just fixed everything, and it's time to move on. Yeah. In the Cole Madison's mind, she fixed Treasury, yeah. and so it's time to move on. She's fixed the police now. They're in the worst state they've ever been in the anti police force. Yeah, it's time for me to move on. I think I fixed everything here. Well, she didn't. She broke everything, and she's broken everything she's touched, and yet she's still the deputy chief minister somehow. So, anyway, she's uh, she's gone out of that portfolio, a very big one. Now, what was weird, too, there was the files didn't take it. And chief minister has traditionally had that portfolio of police until, and that was back when things started changing, was when Adam Giles came out and accused the police of working with politicians to bring them down. <laughs> so he couldn't have it. It was a little portfolio. untenable after that. <laughs> so he gave it away at that point. It was all uh, very weird. Um, and then Gunner had come in and Gunner had had it, and then he had given it to Madison for some reason, and uh, and that was how it's gone. And now Files had the opportunity to take it back. She didn't want it. She wanted to keep health instead, so she's given that now to Kate Warden. Now, Kate Warden, of course, Minister for Territory Families, which is, I guess, overseeing kind of youth detention and all that stuff and a lot of other issues that they've got in Territory Families. So now she's the police minister. Uh, and that's not a conflict there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's so hard to say these days with this stuff. But, you know, yeah, and you know, what what does it mean for Jamie Chalker, which we didn't even really get to talk to about last week, but remember the, they were saying, I think we touched on briefly about how he had to put out a statement last week saying, no, I haven't resigned. I'm still the commissioner, everybody. Look at me. Because Katie Wolf and Mix have just ran with like a rumor that wasn't even a rumor. I can tell you nobody heard any legitimate rumors that Chalker was resigning that week. That they was not started a thing. The rumor. Yeah, and they just ran it. And then Chalker had to put out a statement saying, no, this is just unfounded allegations. I'm not. Anyway, what does this mean for Chalker? I don't know with, uh, with Warden coming in, but I think there'll be some changes here. I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't looking at home somewhere. As, uh, as he may be doing. Anyway, uh, so that's Kate Warden. She'll be taking over police. Now, the other big thing to note, Leon, that mm -hmm. you will be interested in is the new treasurer has been named. Mm -hmm. It's not Michael Gunner anymore. Oh, it's okay. not Nicole Madison. Let me guess. Uh, qualifications? Te teacher? Teacher. <laughs> yep. Well, it's hey, either that or a, or a linesman, <laughs> which do you remember last week I said there was serious rumors going around that Kirby was going to be named. And I said, I'm going to say this on here as a joke and let's hope it stays a joke because I was honestly afraid that they were going to name him treasurer. <laughs> Thankfully, it all was a joke in the end. Sanity prevailed. And who they brought in now is yeah, is Evil Lawler. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Oh, look, I... I, I I know the NT News uh, did an article going through all the um, all the cabinet ministers. Oh, and, that's hilarious! That and, was the funniest story of the week. And 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 uh, I didn't get to count, but how many teachers do we have in cabinet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the actual number, but yeah, Ubo Lawler mm -hmm. files. Right. Was Nari uh, something like that? She hung out. I don't know, was it teaching assistant or something? <laughs> I, I? Honestly, like if you read that, that is that's just sad. Uh, that nobody there is qualified for anything. That and and that's the problem. And without, you know, we're disrespecting teachers because goodness knows, you know, we are, are yeah. all consumers of teachers through our children. Um, they have a very important place uh, in society and a very important role to play. But 
are those the right qualifications to go into politics, A? And B, if you do go into politics with those qualifications, are you susceptible to being led by the public service instead of directing what needs to happen, which is… What's happened. Which is yeah. what the issue <laughs> yeah, that we've is, had. This has been Gunner's fatal flaw from the beginning, was that taking so, advice from the public servants and not questioning it, doing what they said. So, yeah, I, I, that's you know the question I have. But, Chris, I have a much more important question than any of that, <laughs> and that is with this change in leadership, has the ban on the anti-independent been revisited? <laughs> Okay, a couple things on that. So we we went to them and we asked them. Now, first off, we actually had no idea who was in the office then, right? Because our good friend Maria Bilius, who was part of implementing this ban on us, is long gone. I mean, she was the first one out the door when Gunnar resigned, and everybody was celebrating from what we understand on the fifth floor. She ran a toxic little environment there. Emily Bears for Kane. Chief of Staff, EBC, as you say, she's gone. Um, so we didn't actually know. And then Files has a very junior, very junior media advisor. Uh, we weren't sure if he would even go with her because he's so junior and unqualified for that that he would probably go to another minister. So we didn't actually know who to who to send it to. So then we found out. We asked around. We got somebody's name. So we sent it to the to the acting communications director. And we were waiting to hear back. And actually, I think it would have been that day. It was last Thursday. The CLP asked in Parliament about it and said, you know, is this, you know, uh, Chief Minister, will you be ending the ban essentially on the anti-independent and allow their reporters into your press conferences? And her response was so absolutely bizarre, right? Like she said, oh, you know, opposition, you only have so many few questions to ask me. Why would you waste it on something like this? Oh, you're joking. <laughs> yeah. And so... I'm thinking, well, I don't think that's a waste of a question considering that the free press is pretty fundamental mm -hmm. to our democracy. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I guess Files doesn't see it like that. And then she went on about how I think she was implying that I should just leave town, that I'm done here. Uh -huh. Yeah, she said, you know, we've had good journalists come in. They usually just go and they leave town. And then I go and I see them in other places and everybody's happy then. And I'm proud that they had been here. Well, they get and, and I really took that person. I really was like, what is she? Uh, yeah, I guess that would be the easy way. Why don't you just leave, Chris? You're going to keep reporting this go stuff. Go and take your tough you to questions leave. to another jurisdiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I'm not going to leave and I'm going to stay here. And you know, I'm raising my daughter here with my, mm. my wife. You were going to go until then. We've got relatives <laughs> here, yeah. Well, now I'm going to stay. No, and yeah. For a long time, we've um, determined that, that we would stay and we would we would report this stuff. So then we started the anti-independent with that reason in mind. So, so we went to her acting director of communications and we said, look, you know, can we get clarification on what this means? She also said something in there, some line about how I will meet with with media or we'll discuss with media mm. or something but we didn't know what that meant so we said you know can she just explain that and keep in mind that you know despite her indifference to the question we think it is a very serious issue mm. did you put uh, that in writing yeah yeah Good and, uh, mm. you know that the senate you know and mm -hmm. then we brought up that too that the mm. senate uh was against Voted it unanimously yeah, yeah. the uh, meaa has come out mm. the alliance for journalist mm. freedom peter grista's group mm -hmm. i mean we've had a lot of people we've had international journalism bodies come out uh, calling for this band to end. So I don't know where it's at. And then I was told that uh, that was passed on and then I haven't, we still haven't heard anything. And then 
So at this point, I honestly don't know. You know, the other rumors that we're hearing is that they're going to take it to a caucus meeting as if that's a thing. What the hell? <laughs> and you see, this goes back to my initial question, uh, you know, or comment about qualifications to enter parliament, right? Uh, and all it does is it just demeans the teaching profession, in my view. Because if you are a teacher and you don't understand fundamental things like the rule of law, like what a democracy is, how it works, what's the role of the press, what does accountability look like, then what the hell are you doing in parliament? You know, I mean, what the heck? You, I didn't realise that they'd asked that question in parliament. Yeah. And I'm stunned at the response. Yeah. That is a response of someone who, in my view, is just simply incompetent to deal with this issue. Mm. And didn't expect the question. Mm. Yeah, and and so look, you know, we we were saying, you know, we want to be optimistic here. She has some changes coming in. I guess I don't know. if She has a vision for this place that's going to actually be a little more transparent. Well, I would hope a lot more and uh, a lot better for Territorians in this last toxic six years. And that we want to work with her. You know, we've always said that. We've always said that to Gunners people. So. I don't know. Look, the other thing is now I've heard, too, that they're saying, well, we've got to wait until the new director of communications comes in and then they'll decide how to <laughs> Like, it's just... Because the current one can't make a decision? Uh, if they're in an acting role, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I honestly don't. And none of that makes any sense. Like, Files should be a leader here on this and this is what a leader does. No we don't sense. need to debate freedom of the press. I mean, there's no debating this yeah. issue. Let them in. She knows me. You know, like we, we, Files and I, when Files was in opposition, we, we, we spoke. I, I went back and I was checking some text messages between us. And the last text message that we exchanged was December 2nd, 2016. And so she was in government then and she had sent me a photo of us, me and Natasha Files, on Mix 104.9 on Katie Wolf's show with Jerry Wood and Leah Finocchiaro. That's a pretty good lineup. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I tried reaching out that way, too, just saying on a personal level, you know, congrats on the job here. We want to work with you here. We want to, this has to be, yeah. this ban has to end. Everyone has to come to their senses here and know that I'm the journalist that you knew all those years, that we've we've spoken privately before and publicly. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know what their defense or what their reason would be anymore now for upholding this ban at this point. It, they don't have anything. So, yeah. that is it. Well, it's not going to go away, you know. It's not going to go away. Leon's not going to let issue, it. Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a fundamental yeah, issue for me. I agree. And, and you know, I, I carry this burden, well, you know, independently of you, Chris, because I actually think it's important for our society yeah, no, it doesn't even take the personalities out of it. This is just a fundamental thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, yeah, I, I look at what's going on overseas, you know, some of the countries that I've, I've visited and see what's going on with their neighbors, watching them living in fear of mm. being invaded. And, you know, a lot of that's got to do with the press not being able to do their jobs. Yeah. yeah. And how these people here can just continue to do this for no other reason in my mind than that they don't like what you're reporting on mm -hmm. is just wrong. Yeah. 
I know, I know, and we want to work with them, so we've got to figure that out. And and hopefully, you know, I don't know how long they think this is going to take now, but I haven't heard back from them, so um, I'll I'll pursue it again tomorrow. <laughs> we'll keep yeah. on them, and we got to get other people to do it again too. I think now we got to go back to MEAA and the Alliance for Journalist Freedom and say, look, we've got to change the government now. The dictator that was here before is gone. Let's start pressuring yeah. the new leader here to take well, action quickly. Um, it's an easy thing to do. It is, mate. And if Natasha Files had just come out and said, uh, look. Um, Whatever has happened in the past is is the past. Uh, we welcome the anti-independent at our press conferences, and we uh, welcome their questions and uh, and them holding us to account. And, and I would have just gone, "Holy hell, my God, this is amazing!" And yeah. I would have been utterly impressed. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing too is this isn't a surprise for her. She knows what she's getting because I'll be the one showing up at the press conferences, and she knows what I did at the NT News and at the ABC, and it will be the exact same way. It will be respectful, you know, questions that I'll be with the other journalists. I'll just get to ask some questions, and I don't know what she'd be afraid of with that. But and like I said, it's not a shock to her. She should know what she's getting with me. So, anyway, I don't know. Do you know. think it will make your reporting a lot more difficult, though, Chris, because up to now you've had no comments or quotes from the <laughs> NT yeah, government. More work. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be more work. You know, we won't show up to every press conference, but <laughs> the good ones will be there to ask Only the tough ones questions. ones on the so, uh, on the wharf, like I've always done. Yeah. All right. So, well, yeah. Well, just can we still talk about? I want to just on the shuffle. We got to talk about the biggest losers, right? Yeah. You sure. guys love yeah, the good yeah. loser. Love here. the biggest loser. Biggest loser. Yeah, yeah. Joel Bowden, of course. I know. Yeah, right. Didn't get anything. No. Um, and yet, there's others with about half a dozen. Yeah. So couldn't they have yeah. just thrown I him mean, This is a guy who was calling the NT News and telling them that he was running for leader. <laughs> and now he's not even looking right. at Kevin. And then the, the indignity of all indignities is he was the deputy speaker. Yeah. And he's not even getting the speaker position. Right. Like, that's always how it goes. The deputy, is he still deputy speaker? Yeah, I believe okay. so. And now Mar Mark Monaghan is the speaker. So that means, like, that guy, Joel Bowden, is so disliked in that room. Because remember, with Labour, the caucus does decide who the ministers are going to be. Mm -hmm. And then the chief minister decides what, what portfolios right. are going to have. But, yeah, so that tells you how well things are going for Joel Bowden. Um, yeah, biggest loser of the week, Joel Bowden. Uh, another one was Selena Yubo, of course, who lost the attorney general and justice portfolio. Um, Chancey Paik, just on general principles, but he's actually... <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's too busy on, on, on social media to be yeah. doing anything else. Well, so he, he's become the Attorney General, which is, that's laughable, uh, as well as retaining these joke ones. Uh, well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see, Naria Kitt, uh, the newest minister, so she went in to replace, and she's got some junior portfolios, but yeah, that was... Um, and, of course, Nicole Madison, another big loser losing that police thing, but still maintaining her role as deputy. You know that she gets 85% of her salary on top of her base salary of 165, 85% to be deputy. Oh, really? Yeah, I forgot to point that out so in the story this week because I was looking at the remuneration stuff for another story, and I was like, oh, I should put that in the story. People would like and what's to know the chief that. get 100%? 100%. So yeah. can I just, uh, uh, well, it's 15% only to be deputy. Uh, yeah. I'd be deputy Take the deputy. Chief. Yeah. <laughs> that one's, that's that one's coming for you. <laughs> And do you get the uh, do you get the pay difference when they're overseas or something? You can step up for a week or two <laughs> on the four hundred. Yeah, they probably do. Acting, I mean, honestly, oh, like, that's oh, how no terrible question. it would be. So, um, 
I, I do want to drill down a little bit into that. I mean, obviously um, it was expected and it certainly appeared to me that the chief would, had pointed the bone at Nicole on the way out as in yeah. – as in, in a good way, as in, you know, I'm You're expecting you nice. to be the chief. Yeah, and, in fact, he went and did the numbers with right. her to get right. her, and they rejected and both so, of them. So, so, but how did she end up being deputy? Is this, some, is this the way that they sort of appeased the right? Is well, that that's what, you know, it that's looks like it, yeah. Yeah, one train of thinking on that. I, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's some other issues in the way labor kind of runs things, but it, it was bizarre. Um, that she would, yeah, that it was just a complete rejection. And like I said last week, remember about Sid Sterling had been the deputy with Martin, and and when Anderson came in, he said, ah, "That's it, I'm I'm not," because that just wouldn't be right. <laughs> and uh, Nicole Madison, of course, doesn't have those kind of scruples. And you know, when you're collecting that 85 percent on top of her 165 yeah. for six years now, she didn't want to give that up. And really, she does have the easiest kind of position there now because she's still got her industry thing, which you know people like. Would you be surprised to know that industry likes Nicole Madison being in that as a minister? Because she's easily pliable. I mean, Treasury loved her, too. She did whatever they said. Um, so, yeah, so she's she's probably the big winner. I know she's lost police portfolio, but it probably doesn't hurt her feelings. She was ill-prepared and ill-equipped to, to handle that. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, we're going to move her from the loser column into the, the biggest winner, Nicole Madison. You don't have to do anything. Keep collecting your salary. Have another few kids, too, all at taxpayers' expense. Go for it. Knock yourself out. But I, I'm going to flip this on its head, right, because you're talking about the biggest losers and the biggest winners. Well, and, I don't think there are any big And winners. Leon's just talked about how unqualified most of these people are to be where they are. So if Joel hasn't been given, you know, any minister portfolios or ministries, maybe that's a backhanded compliment. How? I don't know what you mean. Well, because the people who are making the decisions are unqualified to do it in the first place. I don't know. Yeah, He's maybe. the only one who's going to have clean hands. <laughs> maybe you're better off just being on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. and he could become the he, Stephen Bradbury chief minister. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah, she could go down in flames and he's like, hey, my hands are clean. I'm the only one. A bit like, a, 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 like a, a, bit like a bloody Dutton. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh exactly. my God. But see, mm. he, he's a lame duck leader though, right? Oh that God. makes sense. Put him in place. No one wants him there. But when, when it comes time again to step up, They'll just they'll chop his head I, off I and move to the next one. I, I was just, yeah. I mean, quite. I mean, he was behind Turnbull. He was right uh, going down. He, he's the reason ScoMo <laughs> became prime minister. Exactly, and he was the Stephen Bradbury at that time because everyone went, "Oh, hang on a sec, we don't want Turnbull, but we certainly don't want Dutton." Yeah, no, so, yeah. ScoMo came in smiling. He didn't actually even know why he was there at the time. <laughs> Walked out prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But I did read somewhere, Chris, and this would be certainly worth following up if, uh, you know, if, if there is a story there, is um, one of the policy platforms of Labor was to extend Medicare to include dental. Mm. Oh, okay. Now, was that mentioned at all uh, in any of the debates? I didn't hear anything about it. No, I, I was still hoping that Clive Palmer got in and gave the 30% tax cuts like he kept promising on his ads. Mm. Right. Okay. Gold teeth, people do. <laughs> we want gold teeth. Yeah. Free dental and gold teeth. <laughs> All right. Well, look, there's plenty to get through. Let's get on to the next story now. And uh, the Files Labor government passes a torture payout cap on prison assaults, 
which has been described as a descent into barbarism, Chris. Yes. Beautiful headline. By the, uh, yes, a quote provided by a, an esteemed barrister in town here who was monitoring that, that night in Parliament. So right. remember last Thursday night, Pete, we were talking about the uh, those chode directives are retroactively. Yep. The ramming through of the laws yeah. in the dead of the night. Yeah, to validate. And I thought things were over at 8.30 and we had to do the podcast, so I got in the car and I came home from the office and I'd shut Parliament off. Well, there was a whole second act <laughs> that I missed of this French five-act drama or comedy that we're, that we're running here. And this whole thing unfolded afterwards. And, and what happened was they brought forward this stuff that they, they were, this legislation that they kind of hid all week. And we didn't know when they were going to debate it, but it was essentially put a cap on payouts for, one, anyone who's, who's wrongfully imprisoned, false imprisonment and anyone who's assaulted while in detention in the Northern Territory. Um, and, and so those things we were asking, you know, when is this going to come up? And they weren't saying, they weren't saying. And, uh, well, and then they did it late on the Thursday night. And yeah, it was, um, I, I, I don't think that people understand the significance of this. Like, I don't think they're getting it. Like the community thinks that this is about the $35 million payout to the Dondale kids, right? Okay. You're upset about that. We get that. We've just now changed the laws to make it so that if anybody, anybody, this isn't for young offenders. This is anybody who's wrongfully convicted, sent to jail here, incarcerated, wrongfully that they when they get out will get fifteen thousand dollars that'll be the top payout that they can get this this justice system is already broken it's already allegations of corruption going around it and the fact that they're legislating now instead of fixing the problem so look you just you got that issue the false imprisonment stuff right that's one thing but then you got the other ones about assault um and battery including the unlawful restraints like shackles and spit hoods and of course assault is you know you, you, you pretty much get what assault is in prison by the guards if that's how it is um yeah th this stuff this isn't just for these kids and i think the community the clp loved it they got up and behind it but i don't think they're getting this the bigger picture here of what this means for everybody in this place like this jurisdiction does not function the way that it should and instead of fixing it, they're legislating to cover it up, to allow it to happen, essentially. So, look, let's even look at those kids, right? The, the Dondale that were in the Four Corners thing. Yeah. They were assaulted. They yep. were assaulted. We have video footage of that. We all saw that. I mean, put your feelings behind whether or not, you know, they broke into your house or they stole something. They were assaulted. Um you know, any any time that something like that happens, you you expect them to fix the thing. I mean, we we held a royal commission so we could fix that and prevent that from ever happening again. And instead of doing that, we know that they weren't able to. They wanted to take all the recommendations on, but they just didn't do it. And now they're legislating. And you know, Mark Guila was the only one. You get Mark Guila, the independent member from Olka, who spoke out against this, and he had said this is given a green light essentially to abusive behavior against children and adults in empty prison. So, you know, you, you, the guards are not going to be held accountable anymore for this mm -hmm. stuff. They can do basically whatever they want. It's going to be $15,000 and it was like increments of things. Uh, it's not even going to be worth filing a legal action against this, right? I mean, for what that's going to cost. So, um, 
Now, he, and I want to get into what he said because his speech was really good. And for one man to stand up against it, I think that was pretty courageous what he did that night. And he said, and I read this in Hansard the next morning, rather than, um, and he said this, he said, the government should be more focused on preventing the abuse of children and adults in the correctional system rather than enabling government officials to mistreat young people without fear of consequences. Um, we published this whole speech here. He, he had said that he wanted a briefing about this before they were going to bring it forward to vote on. And he said that he was only invited for a briefing a few hours before. It was like 4 p.m. that afternoon. And it, and it was they were up debating it at 8, 39 o'clock. So... And he said, I, I have to be here. I can't go. So the other thing was earlier in the week, they had told him that uh, they would only tell him when the bill would come up to be debated the night before. And I'm not sure if they even told him that because yeah. he, he was caught off guard. So, um, yeah, so this so he gets up and he starts talking and Attorney General Selena Yubo, you remember, was one of the indigenous politicians federally who when some other legislation was coming up said oh yeah well the northern territory has a old white male attorney general clearly and then that became a whole thing and then Selena was no i'm an indigenous woman well nobody knew that by the legislation you're passing and the fact that and these are other indigenous political leaders calling her out on this stuff yeah that night, you know, Yingyi Aguila is up there talking and giving an impassioned speech of why this is wrong. She did not listen to him. She was clearly ignoring him, doing other things. At one point, she turned his back to him. Um, uh, Chancey Paik, who is now the Attorney General, also, you know, he had better things to, to think about and talk about with people. Did not listen. Did not listen to this Indigenous elder as he said, you know, these are the issues that we have in our community. Uh, it was it was it was a, just a disgraceful thing all around. Um, yeah, look, she said Selena Yubo actually said this that, that this legislation was drafted to address community concerns about large payouts of taxpayer funds to offenders while they are in custody, referencing that thirty five million. Are there community concerns? Yeah, people were outraged that because the CLP led this as a political thing, and when it was paid out, because one Five years labor ago. didn't. No, no, no. This was just like last year, and labor didn't tell anybody how much it was. Right. They tried to cover it up, and then they. I think the media had to put get a lawyer involved to right. find out what it was, and then the CLP played this. Oh, look, everybody, labor's giving away thirty five million, just giving it to criminals. What are you getting, huh? What are you getting? You're getting your house broken into, and these kids are getting ah. paid to do it now. And That's quite a good promotion, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's bad. didn't win them any seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Chris, I've got a question so to ask you on this front. Yeah. This, when I heard about this, the first thing I thought of was how many times are they getting this wrong? Like to do that indicates they must get it wrong on mass yeah. to say, "I oh, bugger this. We screw up that often. Let's just cap it." Yeah. And on the other hand, it's like they haven't thought about the other end. Yes. So like, we stuffed it up that many times, we better make a cap. And then I hadn't even thought about what you said. Well, that just means effectively they've got carte blanche in the... Well, it's just, it's, this is what you call lazy legislation. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's lazy because instead of actually justifying their actions or whatever they did, right, and letting the courts determine whether what was done was lawful or not... Yeah. And whether compensation ought to be paid or not, they go. You know what? Let's take it out of the court's hands and mm. let's just cap this. And in the process, 
it doesn't matter whether you're indigenous or not. It doesn't matter whether you're an adult or a child. Mm. Anyone that suffers ill treatment and has a legitimate case to take against the government yep. has a cap on their compensation. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy that they but got I- allowed to do this and that the public cheered them on for doing it. Right. Essentially by saying, we're so mad that those kids got $35 million. You know, human rights groups have come out, Aboriginal justice groups, they've all come out before this because we didn't know when it was actually going to be debated and passed, but they had said the week before, this is it contravenes the government's own commitments to the Convention Against Torture. You know, Guyla added that it also breached its own recently established Aboriginal justice agreement and the intent of the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Youth Detention, yep. which they said they were going to follow, and now they're just doing this. What is the? Have you got any comment from the Treaty Commissioner? No, uh, no, the new Treaty Commissioner. Mm. Yeah, no. Be we'll interesting to, to yeah, see what he's got to say about that. this. So, yeah, so Guyla said now about that that it was based on an ill-informed public concern. Um, yeah, he said yesterday the Attorney General said the mark of a just and decent society is one that treats prisoners with respect. I do not believe this is a bill that treats prisoners with respect. It's a bill that has been introduced on the back of ill-informed public concern that taxpayers' money was given away like Santa Claus's presents when really what happened was a judge awarded damages to a group of young people who had been abused at the hands of the Northern Territory government. Wow. That is true. (laughs) That is what happened. And he said, it's only right these young people were awarded damages at the hands of the government. These children were harmed. Rather than removing the capacity of courts to provide compensation to young people who have been harmed, why does the government not ensure that these abuses do not occur while people are detained? Instead, this bill is given the green light for government officials to mistreat young people without fear of consequences. Who said that? Yingyuguila. Wow. In his speech. That's why we wow. ran his whole speech. That I was impressed. He powerful. came out and he said this. The attorney general ignored him, was too yep. busy. Other thing turned her back on it. The new attorney general was too busy, you know, prancing around there with his files and handing them out to people that he didn't pay attention either. Um, you know, and then we, we spoke to John Lawrence after the fact, because he was in there that night. And like he said, you know, these new laws are barbaric, racist, and backward. He said, what I witnessed in there tonight was a descent into barbarism, the passing of a law which is backward and shameful. The conduct of the labor members, he had picked up on that, in ignoring the reasoned and fair criticism from a First Nations Yolnu elder was disgraceful. Their rudeness was embarrassing to behold and spoke volumes as to their character and the laws they pass. I'll tell you what it also speaks volumes about, and I hate to keep going back to it, but the fact that these people are inexperienced, they don't have the, they don't have no background into what it is they're doing. Any, any. No. That's right. Yeah. Any background. And <laughs> these things just happen, but this is how they sneak these things through late at night. And like last week, like we saw before this, and then they were doing all these amendments to the chief health officer's directions to retroactively validate them, retrospectively validate them. It's. Any other jurisdictions in Australia doing this sort of legislation passing, Chris? No. No, of course not. I mean, I had a phone call today from... And we're the place with the broken system. The other places seem to function a lot better than this one. We know this one's got problems, and now we're just legislating to cover it up and make sure that the government isn't responsible, that nobody's responsible now for it. Yeah. I mean, I I, I had a phone call today about the, the, the legislation regarding the CHOSE mandate, and... It was quite a lengthy conversation and it just sort of beggars belief that 
these things are being changed after the fact, a bit like the <laughs> directive that they did on TIO after the uh, everyone was encouraged to go out and watch the the grand final. <laughs> yeah. So many rules changed retrospectively after that. Uh, it's I mean, just an it's, abuse of power, but it happens here all the time. Now, I just like. want to say that, yeah, we talk about the Cho thing, we talk about this, Cap. Um, this is all in the new chief minister's first week. There were things here that she could have done if she wanted to, as she said, put her mark on the leadership. There's some stuff here, like the Cho stuff with the two years of powers that nobody else is doing anywhere. Just let it sit. Just let it sit, Natasha. Let it sit. Because the Cho somewhere else, yeah. perhaps SA, yeah. their powers are all gone this way. Yeah. Nobody would have said anything if she just let it die, but she continued to push this agenda, which was clearly Gunner's and hers, I guess. She's now. just trying to clear the desk. Yeah, no, it's not working when you just continue the same stuff. Yeah. She's continued the ban on us. She's doing this kind of regressive legislation here. We're not in a better place now than we were. Just don't a week look at ago. the ban on you as a negative thing, though, Chris. I've told yeah. you, you get better stories for it, yeah. and you get way more leaks as a result. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I just, you know, sometimes like we, we, we talk about this place a lot, and like it's just a week like that where you think, holy God, like what chance does anybody have here of this place getting better anytime if no one's going to take yeah. responsibility or accountability for anything and in fact legislate to ensure that they're not yeah. held accountable? That's how it feels. Oh, it's just, anyway. It's well, just Chris, it doesn't get any better. Uh, no, the next story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got the, animals uh, somewhere. <laughs> the newly minted Labor member for Daily, young Duran Young. <laughs> is currently travelling overseas while the volatile humanitarian situation in Wadeh worsens by the day. Yeah. Um, can you just explain to me where he is right now <laughs> and, no, and, 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 and what is he doing? Is he on holidays or what's going on there? Look, that seemed to be what we were understanding from people, but they wouldn't tell us anything. We went to files. <laughs> Their media people, so I guess the ban is still on <laughs> because when was the story yesterday? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so humanitarian situation, water like as we know, that stuff is crazy what's going on there, and it's getting worse. Yeah. And the humanitarian situation, by the way, is labor's own words for that. Wow, not not the territory labor that, that would be responsible for this. It was yeah. actually Malandiri McCarthy, the senator, who labeled it that. And she said that she had been there and talked to people. Now, here's what we reported on Friday as Mr. D. Ran Young was packing. The NT Independent reported that more than 400 people remained displaced from ongoing violence in water, with hundreds living in tents on the edge of town, too afraid to venture into the town to buy food. Wow. The school was forced to close after a teacher was assaulted and the health clinic was attacked. Uh, children were roaming the streets with homemade tomahawks. Uh, this was crazy, this stuff. Yeah. Now, and what also happened on Saturday night, that was on Friday morning, while well, we figured that, that Young was packing there on Young to, to, to leave town. On Saturday night, and he wasn't in town, let's make that very clear. He was here in Darwin. They just finished the, the, yeah. the, the, the sittings. 
on the Saturday night, a workshop was set on fire at a business there in town in Water with flames threatening a nearby service station with fuel bowsers. Wow. Um, and they don't have proper fire extinguishing equipment out there. We've seen photos. It's yeah. not. I need to get some advice from the uh, TIO Correct. people. Yeah. <laughs> the water's so, pumping even slower. You've got now 100 homes or so. I think 98 homes have been damaged from ongoing turmoil in the community. The majority of those are uninhabitable. Many were set on fire. Um, wow. Yeah, so we said, where is he? Why, why would he leave now? They did not respond that. They didn't say who was paying for it, where he went uh, while his electorate is under siege. Uh, and, I, you know, this guy was just elected in September, like eight months ago. Yeah. Um, he's now, I guess, if this is a holiday, I think it's, a, it's poor judgment. To decide. Well, we know what happened to ScoMo when the bushfires happened. Yeah, he's still copping for that, isn't he? Yeah. Now, if it is, if it is some sort of government travel, official travel, well, that would be paid out of his electorate allowance, which is handsome and larger (laughs) than most. Substantial. Because he's in this, in this, um, like a Bush electorate that they have to, they get more money, and he gets about eighty-five. I think it's more than eighty-five, eighty-six thousand a year which is also meant to provide funds for community groups and residents at his discretion. Um, but here he is leaving town. 400 people are living in tents. I don't know, hunting rats with sticks for food because they're too afraid to go in. I mean, it's nuts what's happening out there. It's been going on for a while. I don't, yeah. And here's the other thing that I want to say about just this. And we got to get into how his trip has screwed up estimates for labor. Um, yeah, this guy he 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 leaves while the place is burning. Yeah, I, I had images of Nero in my mind when I read that article. Actually, you know, Nero playing the fiddle while Rome was burning. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, and here's the thing, though. So so he said that. So you're you're looking at this guy. So he is the the member for that electorate where water is mm-hmm. that's the biggest town in mm-hmm. his electorate yep he's in parliament for two weeks guess how many times he mentions water 12 minutes zero uh, it's like it's it's basically about four times in one day and do you know what he was talking about not the unrest there not the the residents living in tents too afraid to buy food he talked about how and this is a quote. This is on Wednesday, May 11th. In the second week, he didn't talk about it at all. I'm so proud to be able to say that this Labor government is delivering $3 million to replace the Watt Air swimming pool, I was which is currently out that. of operation and will yes. continue to provide the community with much needed yes. piece of public infrastructure. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, that, that, that's the definition of throwing good money after bad. Well, look, this wow. guy's just, you know, he's spruiking the budget here. Um, we saw pictures. You had pictures in the NT Independent of what that pool looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that happened last year, or the year before. Well, did they throw a TV set in there or something? There was. I it think was a car massive. went in there. In That's the right, end. a car. Yeah, yeah. This this type of this type of public infrastructure was never even considered under the long hard years of the CLP's reign in the territory. Sadly, we're dealing with issues caused by these decades of neglect in the bush. The place is, like, coming neglect? down around them. It was them a brand-new minted pool yeah. that they destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it's – but this is this is it. But he did not ask the government. He did not talk. He did not say everybody – even in a German speech, everybody, here's what's going on in my electorate, okay? This is what we need. We've got to do things here. I'm working. I'm doing this. I'm talking to these people. This is what we're doing. 
nothing. He did not talk about it, only to say that they're getting a new pool, for Christ's sakes, well, out of the budget. That'll come in handy. Oh, this guy, this guy, like I told you, I think we were just talking about what a clown he was last week, and I said, you know, I just despair for the territory when I see this guy, because he's got no business being in Parliament. But now the fact that he's jetting off, I mean, who even knows where? I mean, he might be in, in Bali, having at the beach. I don't know. I thought he might have gone to London to visit the Queen. Uh, we've only got a few more weeks of uh, Qantas flying directly from Darwin to London. Yeah. Take advantage of it. So, But the thing is, we're going to find out <laughs> exactly who paid for it. And if it was a holiday and it was paid for through you know other means here, the electorate allowance, it could be money used for these people who are displaced mm. or to help in any way. Um, that's going to get interesting. But the whole other part of this was how he uh, how it's wreaked havoc on budget estimates planning. So... These guys need, the government says, we need three members. They can't be ministers. they got to be backbenchers So for the estimates committee. And now when they get that, they have to pass the schedule for estimates next month, which is only in a few weeks, really, a couple weeks now. Um, they had to get it done by Friday. They didn't have enough committee members. They didn't have the three. So what they've had to do now is go back, we understand, and, and tell Gunner that he's off his extended leave. <laughs> <laughs> because D. Ran Young is overseas somewhere, so now Gunner's got to go from whatever he's doing. He's just at home chilling out. I think he was on video feed one day in Parliament last week, and the opposition was saying, "How can he do this? It's only for people who are sick with COVID or something." And they said, "No, no, no, it's fine." So he's just <laughs> prefer, phoning it in. We prefer not to have him here. Yeah. Is what they were saying. So now they've had to bring him out, but but the whole thing is like you know. So what can he do from the back bench? Well, nothing. Like Provide what they vote. need. Yeah, they need the, the numbers. They need to get three committee members. They had to postpone meetings because they weren't organized enough here. The, so the estimates committee meetings were postponed. Um, I was talking to Robin Lamley. We went to her because we knew she sits on the estimates committee uh, with uh, CLP member Bill Yan. Uh, and she said, yeah, she confirmed that they had not yet met despite the impending deadline of Friday for a schedule. This was on Wednesday. She said the chaos in the anti-government with a change in leadership and a major reshuffle is putting the whole budget estimates process at risk. She said the government is having trouble getting their three members to form the estimates committee because of Young's holiday. The committee has not been able to meet because the government has not been able to resolve the problem. The clock's ticking, and as of midday today, the committee has not met. She also pointed out... That's incompetent. Oh, it's just I crazy. Mean, like, it's I, 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 I sometimes think about the things that go on in this place and I shake my head. I mean, someone, I was talking to someone today and the first thing they said was, oh, how's Clown Town? <laughs> and the, pro the problem is... That's fair. It's becoming reality. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, what sort of a shit show is this where these idiots can't even form the people to get this stuff happening? <laughs> I know, to get a committee. Somebody outraged by it all of a sudden. And now, and don't forget the, the, this, like, and apparently Gunner is embarrassed or whatever. He doesn't want to be a lowly backbencher having to come in and do this when Why he's he the chief minister. Well, but that's the other thing is that because that guy resigned, we're not going to get answers during estimates because he left and then his best mate that he called her, Jody Ryan, the head public servant, which, by the way, that's an issue if that's his best mate. <laughs> um, she's gone too. We're not going to, those are two of the most important figures in this estimates here things we're not going to get answers we're not going to get a whole lot of things and they can't even get organized enough well as we said it's it's unheard of to yeah. lay down a budget and then hand in your resignation in the same speech yeah. really yeah no, and, and no one no. else was involved with that with that uh budget 
No, okay. So they're trying to figure this out. I mean, you had the ministers who would know about their departments, we hope, and then there's a cabinet reshuffle that just happened. So, you know, the only thing, Lawler still has infrastructure, and that'll be a big one, but they have the perennial problems of not getting enough money out the door. We're going to hear about this stuff. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in DCM and some other things that we're not going to know. Police, that'll be, and there might not even be a police commissioner by the time yeah. estimates comes around, too. So They're going to find some funding to open that Notcliffe. Police station that sits empty most yeah, of the that, day and closed. Yeah, you got to think the opposition will just hammer that because. <laughs> but will we get any answers? Yeah, yeah. it's just. It yeah. might not be enough. It's not how you run a government here, and there's, we're starting to see holes here in, in disorganization on the new files government. Right. Well, let's head to the next story, Chris. And uh, thankfully, sanity prevailed, where the uh, police ministers backflipped on the opposition. Police station ban. <laughs> oh. Which is it technically a ban or is it just a misunderstanding? Well, no, yeah. So I heard her on on ABC today saying something like, "No, I didn't ban them. I just wanted professional courtesy." <laughs> which, ah, what the hell does that mean? And she, she said, wanted it was my first call. week in the job, and I was going around, and so I told them professional courtesy. And I don't know what that means really in this case. So. Yeah, look, we were just, the CLP put out a statement saying that we're, we've been told we're not allowed in the police station. You call it what you want, <laughs> but it's the minister who determined. Yeah. And they were saying, you know, previously we've got to do this. We're the opposition. We need to know what's going on. We need to talk to people, um, police, frontline workers, uh, fire station too, yep. fireys they wanted to talk to. And they were knocked back on that request, which normally would go ahead and told no. So... She said, uh, Leah Finacchiaro said, look, the opposition has an important role to play. It's pretty clear the files government will stop at nothing to shut us down. Why won't Labour allow us allow police to speak with us? Is the minister afraid that officers will speak frankly and fearlessly? <laughs> we know the issues. We know that they're, and she said she wanted to talk to them about um, the 11% attrition rate, which is just wow, crazy 11%. Now. The levels of crime in Tennant Creek. Um, the lack of mental health support for police across the NT and quote the tragically low morale rate within the police force um, yeah and so they blocked them uh, Steve Edgington the member for Barclay who had the leader who had Leah with him in Tennant Creek when they were going to the police station yeah. there's a photo of them outside he said what the hell is going on here as part of our job representing Territorians uh, all we wanted to do was tour the police station to thank our dedicated police officers and hear about pressing matters in the community. So uh, Kate Warden issued a, a thing. Like I, I'm trying to think like the NT News when they run something that we kind of treat it as a press release. Like So her quotes were in the <laughs> NT News story, but that's how they distribute their press release. Mm. So what she had said in that in the statement was that she was – yeah, busy doing a tour herself to meet frontline officers of different departments around, I guess, the NT. Uh, this is my first week as the Minister for Police, Fire, and Emergency Services, and I'm in the process myself of visiting the major regional centers throughout the territory to meet with our police personnel to listen and learn. Kate Warden, the new minister, said, NT police have busy jobs and visits from ministers and opposition members require planning and take police officers away from frontline duties. So here's an idea. i got an idea. <laughs> If you want to um, minimise the amount of time that the police and frontline duties are being held up, why not tour with the opposition? 
Yeah. Why not go together? <laughs> if there's nothing to hide and it's also above board. Yeah, do you want to walk in arm in arm? you want to respect the police. Yeah, the police yeah. can brief all of you at the same time. No, I'm sure. Yeah, and then you could you could have that official stuff and then they have different sessions, maybe meetings. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, they would think that maybe the police would tell opposition something different than they'd tell government because they'd be afraid of losing their job. Um, well, some of them haven't I, been afraid I, by those resignation yeah, letters we exactly. saw. Exactly, and, and I, I don't think there's any secrets no. now of their dissatisfaction That's right, and the yeah. issues that they're facing. So, look, we, we... I don't say that to be a smart aleck either, by the yeah. way. I'm just saying, like, if if you're so concerned about not taking up their valuable time, which obviously it is, go together hmm. and then yeah. do your separate briefings or whatever you need to do. But yeah. Well, yeah, this has just seemed like a power trip on Ken well, Warden's part. Well, that sounds to me like, oh, hang on, I don't, I don't want to bump into you there. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. Oh, I'm also out oh, and about. Well, what if about, I see you? That, we can't do that. It was all about them. It wasn't right. about the police. So okay. meanwhile, the NT firefighters, so we heard, we heard from them over this too, and now they're still negotiating their enterprise bargaining agreement. I think they're taking industrial action. It's been a while. So the line, yeah, and they're not happy. So a line that was sent to us was, if a labor minister attends a fire station, it's highly unlikely that any member would remain on that fire station. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. So they don't want to see any labor people coming right. out. The fire, he said, this is due to the pettiness and embarrassing behavior of a politician that has no right to deny access to an apolitical police or fire service complex. Yeah, okay. And that's it. Once you start as the minister politicizing those things and telling people who can and can't talk, uh, you mm. just get into a bad place. And her defense is, uh, was my first week. They carry on like they Fair actually call. own the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Zero they keep forget. You know, they need to go and watch Vladimir Zelensky's um, <laughs> yeah. uh, his 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 comedy series before he became the, the president. <laughs> it's called yeah. Servant of the People, Chris. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was reading about that. There. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh well. I mean, I thought Kate Warden was one of the smart ones in there, but yeah, this is just, a big stuff up this week. Here, let's hope she gets better and starts moving on because police need. Assistance now, like we said, they're in yeah, bad they shape, do. and yeah. they need a strong leader here. Well, let's hope. Okay, um, the you've got a story here about Zach Rolf, uh, the Walker Coronial Inquest to probe Northern Territory Investigation Officer training, and fifty other issues. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll. So this just came out today here, now mm -hmm. Thursday afternoon. Um, the the. Coroner's inquest, of course, will start early September. But today what we were given was a comprehensive, what they're calling, issues list. Uh, so Coroner Elizabeth Armitage released those today, 54 questions in total that the inquest will attempt to answer. Now we know some of the big ones are that they'll be looking into whether the police investigation into the shooting death of Kumanjai Walker was, quote, compromised or impaired. That's kind of covering what the ICAC is also looking at in those four days. What's that got to do with the death of Kumanjaya Walker? Well, this is what they're looking at. If that investigation was compromised or impaired, the investigation into the death, I don't know how long. Um, after she'll be looking, the ICAC's only looking at the four days. Of course, the investigation went longer than that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, another big one is whether, and we, we know about this, whether NT police officers are receiving adequate training. Yep. I think we know that there's a lot of questions around that. Police and, Academy. Yeah, and not in this matter we're saying, but we're saying that there were issues and we know yep. about that. Yep. Um, and whether and then this was a surprise one that did not come up in the trial anywhere. Whether Constable Rolf used drugs that impacted his conduct. 
wow. at the time of that. So that's, yeah, that one was kind of. So no one checked that before? Yeah. I don't know. It never came up in court. Maybe yeah. they did and it wasn't an issue. I don't know why yeah. she's maybe just trying to be thorough. Anyway, there were other, there were other big things here. And I think these are interesting. Um, uh, why the health clinic staff had left you and to move days before the shooting, what the actual plan was for the IRT officers to arrest Walker. We heard a lot about that in the trial. Of, yep. Was he following the plan or not? Um, what medical assistance Walker received and if it was adequate and appropriate, as well as what additional medical treatment treatment may have saved him that night. Right. That's going to get very interesting, guys, and we talked about some other things coming out because we yeah. just know people who were in that building who had certain training and stuff, and that's going to get very interesting why maybe people didn't do what they could have done to save him, and I'm not talking about Zach Rolf. Yeah. So the inquiry will also once again – as we've pointed out here, investigate whether there is, quote, any evidence of systemic racism or cultural bias in the anti-police force. Well, this seems to come up at every coronial, and the answer is, yes, there's evidence of systemic racism and cultural bias in the anti-police force, and guess what? They're not doing anything about it. So that'll expect that card to be played here again. Um, Yeah, they they talk more about the drugs there. which drugs and alcohol, I guess they're saying, look, this isn't a, an, an inquiry into Constable Rolf, but rather the focus is on the anti-police force response. Uh, yeah. And we'll be looking into those kind of issues, whether or not they should have a, a drugs and alcohol policy or testing after shooting. Um, of course they should. Whether yeah, he had been Doesn't the every subject. jurisdiction have that? I guess not. Have any relevant uh, complaints or disciplinary proceedings and whether they have been appropriately dealt with. The inquest will also examine, though, and then look into Kuman Jai Walker and the disabilities, including, you know, whether he had FASD, which I think was reported that he had. Had what? FASD. What's fetal that? alcohol spectrum disorder, oh, okay. uh, mental health issues, hearing loss, and learning deficits, and whether his run-ins with the criminal justice system previously provided suitable and sufficient opportunities to promote his rehabilitation. We're going to say no on that one. The inquest is scheduled to start September 5th. They're also going to look at, of course, the use of force by police and whether amendments need to be made, as well as what policies and procedures apply to anti-police personnel carrying guns in communities and whether that should be changed. Of course, that was an issue that was raised by traditional owners, the elders in Uendamu, who had said after the verdict, remember, they were calling Ned Hargraves was saying, we don't want guns in our community anymore. Police shouldn't have guns when they come in here. So, so what happened? The policies behind that, how they compare to other jurisdictions in the country, and whether or not there, there would be recommendations made there to change. What happens when two police officers walk into a house to uh, talk to someone, and both of them end up with stab wounds when they walk out? Should they not have any way of defending themselves? Yeah, yeah. Those are the issues that are going to... I mean, I think it's great to look at the things like the drug and alcohol policy. Can't believe in 2022 it's not already a bloody law or mandatory, but okay, let's get that happening. Hmm. There's a lot of other things in there. The other thing that shocked the hell out of me on that show the other night, and Leon, you might not know this, is that Zach Rolf himself, along with others, was working on this young fellow that got shot to try and keep him alive. Yeah, that was in that first one that aired last year that we weren't allowed to see in the right. NT, and you really got a sense of how hard he worked to yeah. resuscitate him. 
And there's other people standing there who may yeah. have had training. Right. Like qualified. Yeah. <laughs> there's training. Well, just so it's going to get very interesting because that's all going to come out, I think, eventually yeah. in this. Um, yeah, because there were other people who could have done stuff and didn't. So I was a bit shocked by that, to be honest. I mean, I, yeah. I, when, when you think about it, these little tiny communities, they don't, they might have a little health centre or something, but, you know, they may not have doctors or whatever 24 no, and hours. and why they were cleared out. That's yeah. what they're looking at too because there were incidents yeah. in the days leading up to that and then he was attacking police. And, yeah. yeah, but to think that so, the guy that was sent out there or the guy sent out there to um, apprehend mm. um, this young fella get attacked themselves mm. and then through, you know, whatever happened, happened, then have to try and work on maintaining the life yeah. this person. It's, you know, it's a lot to go through. Yeah, it really was, yeah. And, um, yeah, and anyway, look, yeah, and, and the community's got a lot of interest in this and knowing why this happened and why it happened the way it did and how, you know, the specialist team was brought in from Alice Springs to carry out this. Yeah. While other things Correct. were being said. Because the other police had already just, been there. Yeah, been done with locals. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's going to be interesting. September 5th, that kicks off. Who knows when the ICAC stuff will come out. All right, so we'll look forward to the answers to the 50 questions then, Chris. <laughs> uh, let's um, move on to the next story. And South Korean court rejects application from Indigenous Territorians over the Barossa gas project. What's going on there? Yeah, well, they're getting involved in native title rights over in South Korea. I just, I just wondered uh, what jurisdiction uh, they or they have any rights well, over. So, look, as we understand this whole thing, it was basically the traditional owners here uh, with environmentalists. They had taken some court action over there to block the Export Import Bank of Korea from issuing loans to uh, companies that were backing Santos in this Barossa gas project, right? right? So uh, I think wow. they, it was to block part funding for yeah the, for the gas project. It was about a billion bucks, I think. So they don't want the gas project to go ahead, so they try yeah. and get the lenders blocked. Yes, to stop from Is this investing. This unprecedentedly on. Never heard of it. Yeah. So it's and actually so, a pretty good angle, though, yeah, if you think about it. And sorry, so this story, I think, was a little older now. We've we've since understand that, um, well, what happened was, so, you know, it was the South Korean company that was energy investment company, uh, SKENS, as a major partner with Santos in this. Um, and they had actually both Kexum, so the uh, Korean uh, Import-Export Bank of Korea, and Kshore, this company, had delayed the consideration of the loans and guarantees after the action was taken. ABC ran a story last month, a couple months ago about that. Um, now, yeah, so, but what the court, we understand now, decided was, one, they didn't have any jurisdiction over, <laughs> you know, any title claims or anything, yeah. to, whether or not they were consulted. That was one of the things that they had said that the Tiwi Islands people from Tiwi and Larakia people had said that they weren't properly consulted on this. Um, yeah, and that, you know, it would impact on the, uh, the environment, threatened turtles, dugongs, and other sea life that islanders depend on. Um, Santos, of course, had said that they had consulted. Uh, anyway, they determined, yeah, look, we can't stop them from doing the investment decision, even if we did, and then you've, you've, you're not going to stop the project because then they just yeah, go to somebody get else the money and get from the money. Somewhere else. So I think it was a learned, novel. Money's cheap. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, a little more these days, but it's still pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So look, I guess they, they were trying something here. It looked like they were maybe 
even trying to get some sort of social license out of that right to say yeah. you know it's not a good thing to do you shouldn't be investing in this and yeah, change yeah. the investors but looks like it, it didn't work in the end and this thing will will probably still move ahead i think they were doing like yeah even last year this thing seems kind of delayed at this point um mm. i would have been surprised if investors of that type of project could have been shamed out of doing much <laughs> exactly that's a good, <laughs> good good point pete yeah it's a it's a pretty big project though mm. um yeah, yeah it is seven billion dollar yeah which will see lines coming in from just off north and to be processed and all of that so liquefied natural gas mm. and sold around the world no doubt we'll yes. get no benefit yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> nothing enough for us all right well uh going from that project to another one that's a little closer to home the final design for the Estimated $110 million Tiger Brennan overpass has been released. Mm. You know, the story was like really well read today. <laughs> like a lot of people were were very interested in that. We've only been talking about this for how many years? Yeah, well, yeah a few. Um, you know, and we still don't know. I mean, they didn't even in the statement, they didn't want to put it in writing when they think this is going to start and when it's going to finish because. <laughs> TBA? You know, I just, yeah, and I saw somebody who clearly hadn't read the story, but they made a comment on Facebook like, oh, I bet you it's going to double that $110 million. Well, it already has. The original yeah. price tag was $60 million. Remember, yeah. and the last time we did this a couple months ago, yeah, we were talking yeah. about and Lawler came out and said, oh, yeah, it's doubled. And, uh, yeah, it's probably going to keep going up, too. <laughs> and then came up well, with all these stupid reasons. I did see a comment from someone saying, uh, have they factored in the cost of what it's going to be for their mates to get the job? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a bit cheeky. Um, yeah, well, of course, it is Sitzler that has been announced that they – remember, and people were angry at them because they were bidding on what they thought was a $60 million project, and then somehow it goes out to 110 after Overruns. they the contract. Yeah. Um, which they clearly knew probably. Now, the federal government's funding half of this, we're told. Anyway, I have a look at that. Have you maybe, seen that? Maybe, maybe it is $60 billion, and they're saying it's 110 so the federal government funds the whole lot. That would be clever. Yeah. Well, when you look at what they've done here, though, have you looked at that? Have you seen the actual like yeah, image of it? Because it's quite issues. complicated. Yeah, it looks. Is this really what we need? Is this really the best solution here? And now, what we need is a goddamn overpass at the Berrimalites, right? <laughs> yeah. That's point one. That's not going to cost 110 million. I reckon you, you and I could get it done, Chris, for about a million bucks <laughs> tops. It's a little dirt pile. <laughs> you just got to jump to as I mean, style. seriously, how much does this bloody road cost over these years? And and what now? We're retrospectively fixing it. Yeah, it was crazy because, like, at that intersection, which I go through every day to go to work and to come home, is that there's one set of lights there. Now, under this thing, there's two sets of lights. <laughs> of course. <laughs> to go along. Like, seriously, like, I was looking at that and I was like, they got goddamn lights in there. Why do they have lights in there? Yeah. Why do they have lights in there? It's, yeah. yeah, I don't, I, yeah, this is not. You're right. Good. So, this is actually going to increase the time, the commute time home now. Yeah. Oh, plus all the, and then they said, oh, it'll be minimal delays while we're building it. Like you they know, actually said that. You too. know how much this thing's cost over the years, right? Now, where the route runs from the city to take you out to the rural area is actually, it makes total sense. But the amount of people who now say, oh, I just take Stuart Highway because it's quicker, that's <laughs> ridiculous. And they haven't changed a thing, yeah. right? Yeah, this bloody red herring. Yeah, we'll be taking uh, some time uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right, Chris. Uh, look, it's it's bad enough with one set of lights there. 
<laughs> you know, you're going to have a jam between the two lights. Yeah. Of course you And are. there's going to be like times there where there's not going to be any traffic. You're coming up off of Tiger Brennan to get on there. There's not going to be anything around and you'll just be sitting there waiting for the lights and you'll proceed and go to the next set of lights and wait. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Listen, one of the best designed faster. cities in the world is Dubai, right? Mm-hmm. And they've, they retrospectively fitted a train network throughout the city. I don't know where they're getting their advice from. But they ripped off. Boundless possible. They ripped off <laughs> Dubai's logo. Yeah. Go and rip off their road yeah. system. Yeah. You can fix this in a heartbeat. So this one, yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna cost us more ways than one. I oh, think. It's costing me right but now. But anyway, you know, like another people, I get their frustration. They're like, well, and they keep saying, oh, there were terrible deaths here and stuff. Of course, any death is terrible there. But like people are pointing out, are we really spent hundred million because of drug addicts? Yeah, but what, exactly. And a drunk. Yeah. People there. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And now I no one knows what the speed limit is there. Like I said, I've been there. I go through there every day, a couple so times I. a day. Yeah. And I'm like, if I've never seen any if you issue. put an overpass, the problem's gone. In fact, the 80-kilometre zone actually congests the traffic more because you've got some people doing 80, you've got some people doing 100 still, people weaving in and out of the traffic, and then you've got your normal dopes who do 60 in an 80 zone. So if you just simply put an overpass there, the problem's gone. Well, this is the overpass. Yeah, well, there's two sets of lights. Yeah, that's not an overpass. Yeah. That's a bloody complicated it's mess. An overpass how how many people have been killed? I, I know there was one. No. I mean, the, the first time yeah. I heard of a yeah. serious accident. There was there, a bad one there where it was three a, or four people. Where that was because of a fire engine that went through was the it, light. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that was where, um, yeah, that was there's a number a of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So so they were attending, I think they were attending a, a um, an incident. Yeah. And they went through the lights and, yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But that was one. But, but then there, there was, was one like last year or the year before, was yeah. there? Yeah, a couple of years ago. That's what made them change the speed limit. She was drunk and high. It was a woman, I believe, and crashed into another car and killed a passenger. Yeah. And I think I, a I small child. Yeah, well. it was terrible, whatever it was. Yeah. But it was, yeah. Horrific. But was it really the, 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 the intersection or was that drugs and alcohol? No, they would have done and, it yeah. somewhere else. It wasn't. I don't think there's anything wrong with the intersection at all. I, it I works perfectly fine. Yeah. Even peak hour traffic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, except the lights. Put an overpass in. <laughs> yeah, but this is their solution to that. This is what it's not a solution. Go back to the drawing <laughs> no, board. Yes, no yeah. lights needed. Put an overpass over the top and let the lights do what they do at the bottom, going the other way. Problem solved. In fact, you could take those lights out as well if you put the overpass in. You need zero lights there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we thought we were getting with an overpass, but now there are lights. So. <laughs> yeah, take it up with Sitzler, I guess. Right. Remember even the minister said, I don't know anything. Go ask the contractor. <laughs> You're the one paying the contractor. Lady. Yeah, correct. And uh, all the designs. And all- yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, look, let's move on to our last story, Chris. The Queen's Platinum Jubilee to be celebrated at Government House with free entertainment. Now, tell us about this, Chris. <laughs> so the Queen's coming to Darwin for a Platinum Jubilee, is she? Yes, that's right. Well, wow. Isn't that pre- a bit uh, presumptive as well? What's that? That Her Majesty Vicky O'Halloran is going to... Ah, that's her Platinum Jubilee. Yeah. Oh, well, no. it's her celebrating the Queen's Platinum So when is it? When's the Platinum Jubilee? Uh, June 4th, incidentally. Oh, okay. Uh, 1952 was the coronation of yeah, Queen Elizabeth. Right. Oh, yeah. So uh, so we're going to do here, we're going to do a musical performance. It was 70 years. 
It's amazing, isn't it? But why why is that platinum? Yeah, they're just making they, stuff they're just up. Made now. It like up they just because no one's ever lived that they long. Said, yeah, they, she did say that. Like, <laughs> Her Majesty is the first monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee after 70 years of wow, service. Wow, okay. So, yeah, they're making this up. But we're going to get a 20-piece big band with vocalists and instrumentalists uh, accompanying them. Music on the Lawn Celebration will feature the band of the 1st Brigade and the Australian Army Band, Sydney. Do we need to say there's vocalists in a band? Yeah, because if you get the brass and you get that, like people think it's just that, but there are actually going to be singers too. You know, this is actually very popular, this uh, band of the 1st Brigade. They go around to like community things. We were just there like a couple of weekends ago. It was at the Surf Lifesaving Club. Yeah. Like hundreds of people showed up for this. Now, yeah, It right. used to happen in little parks, but people quite quite enjoy the live music oh, element. And I've got nothing against the band. I just find oh, it odd yeah. that they're mentioning there's vocalists. Yeah. I'm so. going to assume if you're putting on a band that there's vocalists. Not with the marching band, and, so. and musicians. <laughs> yeah, there will be musicians, musicians, guaranteed. <laughs> There'll be a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, this is what she does, our own majesty. I can't remember what she makes people call her. We will never do that. We will never call her any, whatever mm. she wants to be called. The public will be able to wander the grounds, too, of Government Except House you. on June 24th. Except 25th. for anyone whose name <laughs> yeah. ends in Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that, you know... I was listening to her the other day because they were talking about the ABC journalist who passed away, uh, Caroline. I can't remember her last name now. It's coming. Oh, uh, yeah, strange story, lady. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline Jones. Yes, yeah, Caroline Jones. And um, and 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 so and you know Alex Barwick, who's out of Alice Springs, but she was doing the drive show up here. They were broadcasting it, and she's really good. Like she, she's really good. Um, anyway, and they were, she was talking about how they had Caroline Jones up here for a women in media event a couple years ago, and. The administrator had uh, involved herself somehow and then was giving, you know, anecdotes of how she met Caroline Jones and all this stuff. And, and oh, what an inspiration she was. And, and I, I'm sure that she was. And uh, all the good things that she had done for women in media and, 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 and you know, all the glass ceiling that she broke. And, uh, and then the administrator says... Uh, Alex Barks says, do you remember something that you were talking about when you were showing her the, the homes and stuff? And she says, yeah, yeah, we were talking about how she said to me, you know, how important it is to be a leader and how when you're in a leadership position, you don't let other people influence your decisions. You know, you listen to people, but you don't compromise yourself and you don't do anything, you know, that other people make you do that you shouldn't, that you don't want to do and you don't believe in. And I'm thinking, oh my was, God. Was I'm the ban on? <laughs> was what was, was it was the ban on when she was saying this this was just the other day wow. this was just the other day so i wanted to take that and like put that <laughs> on facebook and just send it to her and yeah. say how can you even say this like I'm, I'm assuming that you don't support the ban but i mean you did because michael gunner made you support it yeah. so what kind of like you're a hypocrite <laughs> like how dare she even go and say that after what she did with that and if she's gonna say that gunner did it or that she backed it if she's like yes i personally support the ban, on my the ban. <laughs> yeah and then, okay we got a bigger I actually issue told him to do it yeah <laughs> we got a bigger <laughs> issue but yeah like this woman's just yeah out of control here and wow. the, yeah to hear that i mean she's just disrespecting her office when she does stuff like that did you ever and the queen did you ever find out what was in the greenhouse chris (laughs) (laughs) how are the the air conditioning bills going (laughs) (laughs) yeah we gotta look that back up again that was wild that was crazy well there's no point getting solar anymore so uh yeah 
And we should probably watch where she's traveling next, too. Remember, with all the travel, and then we had COVID, so she didn't go anywhere. But I'm betting she took advantage of that, London. Oh, I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, there's a Platinum Jubilee on. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. yes. It's reciprocal, yes. isn't it? You've got to go both ways. <laughs> and uh, being the administrator, I think she'd be entitled to... Um, to uh, partake of not the uh, the Qantas lounge, but the chairman's oh, lounge, Chris. Uh, is that how it and, works? Uh, well, the chairman's lounge is invitation only. Oh, okay. It's a hidden lounge in in uh, some of the major airports in uh, Australia. Yeah. Do you so have so to the let them Irish know you're coming, or do they, yeah. are they meant to know who you or are? Or the little Irish in guy fact, invites you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's, 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 in fact, uh, Virgin has actually taken a leaf out of Qantas's books, and yeah. they've also got a chair. I don't uh, know if they call it the chairman's lounge, but it's something. It's the equivalent. Yeah, there's be like a rock star. But it's, it's sort of like a, it's it's a you, you have to know where to look yeah. to find it. Yeah. It's a. Uh, <laughs> It's it's hidden. <laughs> well, it makes sense because it's going to be exclusive. They, they don't want just anybody yeah. walking in there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, one time I was at Sydney Airport and I was going into the Qantas Club, and I was just a bit disorientated, and I ended up in the business lounge, which is a little bit up the hallway. And I got there and I showed my ticket, and the lady goes, "Oh, um, you want the Qantas Club?" I said, "Yeah, isn't this the Qantas Club?" She goes, "Oh, this is the business lounge." I said, oh, okay. I'll stay. It's and fine. she goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's too far. Just come in anyway. It was nice, let yeah. me tell you. Qantas Club is, yeah, it's fine. You get a meal and a drink yeah. or whatever, yeah. but it's usually packed. This was. This is like with the oak tables nice. yes. and the brown leather Couch chairs. to yourself, yeah. you know. And they pour the drinks for you. Or do you Pretty much. Pour no. Do you pour I, your own? No, actually, it's a good question. I, I'm getting confused now. and Leon would know this better than me, but. I'm getting confused between the first class lounge and the business lounge, but I think you've got your own drinks. Maybe they got your food. We're turning this podcast One into a, into a frequent. So what flyer you do, podcast. right, is you get your frequent flyer points. Oh God. <laughs> Well, I, I do want to know, Chris, uh, when you do your investigations, whether the uh, administrator has in fact taken that Qantas flight. Uh, when I came back the other day on, on Singapore Airlines and I was walking across the bridge, I saw the plane there and I, I felt a tinge of sadness, Chris, because it's just such a wonderfully large aircraft compared to the other crap that we did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? And it's going. One's already yeah, gone. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and last month when you walked past, you could see both of them there. Yeah. You know, what the one Twins. from Melbourne, the one from Sydney, yeah. both going to London. Not yeah. filled, but not filled, going anyway. But going <laughs> anyway. And what a slap in the face to Territorians. I mean, it only came here because the bloody idiot down in Perth wouldn't yeah. open up his borders. And the second he does, see you later, <laughs> yeah. we're going back there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's well, a huge have punishment. have to planes, mate, to make money. We're yeah. not feeling them. We're not no, feeling them. Yeah. <laughs> I must admit, I did have three seats to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you Pretty what, I'll take the wide-body plane over those 737s any day of the week. Yeah. Well, uh, it's good to be back in the flesh. Chris, thank you very much. Um, I, I do hope we hear from the administrator, not the administrator, I beg your pardon. Well, we should from yeah, the administrator as, as well, well. yes. Yeah. But uh, I do want to know about the ban. I th- it's a very important issue, and I do want to see that it's uh, it's lifted. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for your support, guys, on that. No, and I know you'll both be um, devastated by this, but there's no mixed job of the week this week. Never mind, but while you were talking about the Queen, I suddenly remembered the guy's name was Tony Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes, well done. Touche. <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you next week, Chris. Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. See you next week.
That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Weekends with Walsh here back again next week on the Territory Story Podcast. Weekend edition. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.